Welcome to Talking Not Ranting. My name is Alistair Field. And I'm Greg Smith. Welcome to our current topic series, The Struggle to Be a Good Manager. Uh, and for those of you that are just kind of dropping in on us, Greg and I have been friends for a very long time, and we have been spending a lot of time together over the last few weeks working on a bunch of projects. And I think we're keeping the relationship together. I'm not 100% sure where we're at, but I think we're good today. We are good. We're having a lot of fun, actually. Again, some of the new things, some of our existing things, it's, uh, it, is, it is a lot of fun. So we are still good. Okay, I'm keeping my sarcasm in check at the moment, so I think we're going to be okay today. Uh, as background, both Greg and I have been managers for a very long time, and we appreciate the people that have walked with us through that experience as we've learned how to be hopefully better managers. And we started publishing this podcast July 5th of last year, and I think we're in our 36th or 37th episode and things are going well and today we're going to drop back into our interview session uh, part of the series and today in a few moments we're going to be introducing Gemma Norman uh, into the podcast and today's uh, podcast we've kind of entitled it it's kind of a working uh, topic but uh, management COVID and coming back and we're going to be talking about a whole bunch of stuff with Gemma so uh, Greg I'm going to hand it over to you. Yeah, that's great. So I'm super excited to have Gemma on our program today. Uh, Gemma is a partner with me at uh, a great organization called Lighthouse Nine Group. And we support organizations in a whole bunch of areas, but really helping them be successful through their people and with their people. And Gemma's expertise, actually, uh, she's the firm's organizational design practice lead as well as co-leads the change management uh, uh, area. She's a certified master coach. Uh, she is six, uh, uh, six Sigma green belt. And uh, I just love working with Gemma. She has worked for so many different organizations and sectors uh, in government, telco, IT, financial systems, manufacturing, engineering, with companies such as British Gas, um, IBM, Sobeys, and Virgins. So some great broad experience. And what I love working with Gemma is that we are different in our approaches, uh, you know, even from our styles. For those folks that know the Enneagram, I'm a seven. Gemma is a one. Gemma's very organized. She's, she's structured, but she's also fluid. I'm more fluid and I do uh, uh, value structure. So we often work together in partnership on a number of initiatives, which uh, um, especially organizational design and change management. Um, but we're excited to have Gemma here. And she brings a diverse perspective. Uh, you know, Alistair and I talked about the fact that, you know, although we're very different in our experiences and our background, we do see things the same just because of our gender and, and our um, the fact that we're both Caucasian and, and that, uh, so we're limited. Although we see differences, we're limited. And part of our interview process is bringing in folks that have different perspectives. And Gemma, as a young woman, a mother and an immigrant to Canada, you will soon hear based upon her Scottish accent, although it's much clearer than one of our other uh, partners who often we joke needs an interpreter. Um, uh, uh, but over the past few years, we've had a chance to do some great work in change management, org design. And lately, Gemma's been spending a lot of time really diving deep into probably what's been the biggest change that we're all experiencing 
is this change around COVID and the, and the result that's happening out of COVID. And so she's been doing some, gaining some great expertise and, and background and experience in this area. So we are looking forward to hearing your perspective, Gemma, uh, from a, 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 a big thinker in this area, an experienced leader, especially in change management and design, but also perspective as a mother of two and managing your business from home while supporting others. So I just want to welcome Gemma to our podcast. Hi there. Thanks for having me. Whew, I had to, I have to catch a breath. That was so intense and exciting. It was a long introduction. <laughs> I can't, I can tell you how excited I, I am. You know how much I love working together with you. So I'm glad to have uh, you uh, join us. And so we thought we'd dive right in. And Jim, as you know, our podcast provides a forum to share and learn from both our best and worst workplace experiences, either as a leader you know, things that we've maybe done well or didn't do well or things that we've learned from others go both good and bad. And although our topic uh, today is going to center around the COVID crisis, we thought we'd begin by asking, you know, some of what are your experiences uh, being a young woman coming up in business in particular uh, uh, around uh, things that you've seen that were really great um, things you've seen as experience as either as a manager or from your managers as you've been been going through your career yeah I think you know all of the experiences that I've had that have been really great have all actually been when I've been in consultancy so way back in my career um, kind of back at the the start I was in a consulting firm in the UK um, and actually you know one of the, the best experiences that I had there, and I think kind of similar to, to kind of the, the environment that I work in now is that I had people who were really committed to my development. They supported me, they challenged me. Um, I had managers that coached me and helped me to really, you know, feel that I could, could expand the, the areas that I worked in and, and lifted me up to the point where I, I felt that, okay, I may, you know, I may not be an expert in this area, but I feel like I can, you know, I can, I can figure it out and I can develop myself and, and grow moving forward. And I think that's really been where those really great experiences have happened when you know that you have a manager that, that is, you know, committed to your development and your success. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's so important. You know, uh, yeah, of course, this is my only plug, Alistair, my book, uh, In Search of Safe, Brave Spaces, Alistair's grabbing his head. But really, the whole intention behind that book is that when we find ourselves in those environments where we feel safe, in other words, where people give us the opportunity to grow, discover, uh, and to gain our confidence and our trust in ourselves and brave where they also nudge us and provide us that space to try something new. Those things, those are the moments where, where I think we're, we're most connected and we, we grow the most and we also impact the most. Yeah, and I think it, that really kind of developed my style as a leader as well. So when I, you know, went into to having um, teams report into me, that was what I wanted to emulate, right? I wanted to make sure that I was supporting the folks in my team. So the, the leadership position wasn't about, you know, me getting to a stage in my career and, and, you know, look at me, but it was really about how do I support my team? How do I help them? How do I help them to grow and flourish and, and to be the best that they can be? 
Um, and I, I still look back on on one, uh, you know, kind of uh, team member that I had. She continues to, to stay in touch with me several years after we no longer work together. And I'm so proud of everything that she's done, right? Like, I'm so proud of the career that she's created. And she still kind of comes back to check in and be like, here's, you know, here's what I've done. Here's the successes that I've had. And it's, you know, seeing her flourish in her career I feel like that's the greatest gift that you can have as a leader, right? It's it's about how you can encourage your team and and you know help them to be the best that they can be. Yeah. What yeah. what would be a moment of just uh, of uh, is there a, is there an example of in your early career that that best demonstrates someone that took a chance at you, someone that really kind of stepped forward at a time when maybe you were thinking that oh my goodness, I don't know about this, but then someone came alongside that, that, that just pops into your head as, as important. Oh yeah, I mean, it's, I think um, when I first immigrated to, to Canada, I came with you know, global experience. Um, and it's hard, as, as, an, as an immigrant, it's, it's hard because you're, you're kind of battling against some kind of biases and, and misconceptions around the experience that you've had. Um, and I came up against a lot of this, you know, but your experience isn't Canadian. So, um, so there's this kind of bias in, in, you know, in HR and in hiring practices where people will say, well, you've, you know, you've got, a, you've got a long career behind you, but, but it wasn't here. Um, and I think, you know, that first uh, role that I took on in, in Canada was, was with a, a, a grocery retailer. And I had a manager who just really, like, she took a chance of me. She knew nothing about me, um, and she uh, and she just really like she came alongside me and helped to really kind of break down a lot of barriers so that I felt like I was set up for success and able to to really you know bring my whole self to to the table, which makes such a difference. Yeah, I, I just want I just want to jump in there, uh, Gemma, and I think you know you've said a bunch of things that are so important, especially for managers, just to sit back on a little bit. And that's the experience that people have with us as managers, as our direct reports, is so much going to influence how, how they're going to be when they perhaps become a manager or a leader. And I don't think that should pass people by that, you know, when you're sitting there and you're a manager and there's a bunch of deadlines and you're not in a good mood and, you know, somebody didn't show up for work and all that stuff, how you deal with the bad stuff and the good stuff really is going to make a big impression on the people that work for you or that are reporting to you. And whether that's a, a good experience, as you've uh, talked about a lot, or it's a bad experience, it's really going to influence people later on in their careers when they reach um, leadership positions or management positions. And I think as managers, as leaders, that every once in a while we should sit back on that and just remember, you know what, this isn't just about the now and me, but it's also about this team and where this team's going to go. And Greg, you've said it a couple of times that I could be reporting to one of them in 10 years time. You just never know how things work out, how it plays out. And I really like that. Uh, how you talked about that and, and the influence and how people maybe have been calling you after they've worked for you. And I really think as managers and leaders, we need to sit on that and just, to me, it, it's very sobering that uh, on my worst day, people are looking at me for inspiration and maybe as an example of things to do. And uh, uh, I had a little bit of a shudder when you were talking about that. So thank you for that. It's one of these things, if you can't, if you can't see it, you can't be it, right? And if you think about, you know, at, at 
parents with children, you're, you're role modeling those good behaviors, right? You're trying to help them to understand, you know, what does it look like to be, um, you know, a, a, a fully functioning adult, right? When you're, when you're talking about it with your kids, but it's kind of the same in that leadership position. You're, you're creating that role model scenario where you're, you're helping people to see what does it look like to be a good leader? What does it look like to, you know, to be vulnerable and be able to accept where we maybe haven't done things 100% right and, and create that culture that it's okay to learn and grow. And, um, and if you're not role modeling that and, and helping to create, you know, that, that future success, that's your legacy as a leader. Right, the the people that come after you and the and the the great career that they're able to have, the great leadership qualities that you helped to instill in them, that becomes your legacy. Yeah, the the other thing that jumped into me, uh, jumped up for me uh, as you were talking, Gemma, was that whole idea. You said that your one of the things your boss did was they broke down the barriers, and uh, you know sometimes it isn't even it's not imparting wisdom, and sometimes it is. Uh, but often it's just understanding what your team member needs and then sometimes either opening a channel for them to get exposed or find out the information. Sometimes it's breaking down a barrier that exists in place. So often it is a great, it is about creating the space. Uh, and providing the resources for the person to flourish. And if we, so there is modeling, but it's also creating that space, which I think is so, so important uh, as, a, as, a, as a leader. And then that almost giving them the space to grow and to, into who they can be. But if they don't have the space, if they don't have the resources, if they're up against barriers, um, that's what can frustrate and limit the potential of those team members. Well, Alistair, why don't we shift and uh, over to, I'd love to dive deeper into this stuff, kind of what's going on right now with regards to COVID and some of the wisdom and insights that you're discovering, uh, Gemma. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Alistair. Yeah, I'm just going to make an observation. Safe in space. That, that, I think that's in the title of a book somewhere, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks. That's the thing. Yes. In Search of Safe Spaces by Greg Smith. Available <laughs> on <Apple>. Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is like, oh, I feel collaborative and team. Everybody's playing a part on this. This is fantastic. <laughs> I, will, I will put the link in the show notes afterwards, Greg. You're, you're covered, <laughs> Thank man. Thanks. So, so Gemma, uh, obviously, we're, we want to talk about COVID a little bit because it's everybody's life right now. So over the past year, you've been researching and supporting individuals and teams as they go through uh, what is perhaps the largest change situation any of us have dealt with in a long time? And there's, there's actually three kind of points I'd like to uh, ask your, your thoughts on. But the first one, what are the biggest takeaways that you've seen in your work in this area? Yeah, I think um, for me, there's kind of three big themes over the last year. And I think that, you know, that the need to build resiliency um, is so important for a lot of the, the clients that we're working with when we talk about change management and the process that we all go through as we transition through change. Um, there's these three phases and uh, William Bridges talks about it that, you know, for any, for any new beginning to, to happen, you have to say goodbye to the old way. So there's an ending. And then there's this kind of middle zone called the, 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 the neutral zone. Um, 
And it's defined as being between trapezes, which you can kind of imagine, right? Like you've let go of one bar, you're flying through the air, you're hoping to God that that other bar is there and it's coming for you. Um, and then there's the new beginning. And actually that, that whole kind of gray ambiguous space in the neutral zone is, is the place that as humans, we don't like. We don't like it when we don't know what the answer is. And I think for COVID that's really brought around that that, that sense of this gray ambiguous space is so uncomfortable for us. And that's where we really need to build resiliency. Um, and so we've been doing a lot of work with, uh, with our clients around how do you really provide the, the skills for, you know, for your employees and for your managers so that they can start to really be able to adapt and thrive and change. And managers have the, I think, the hardest job because they're, they're in this kind of vice in the middle where they are, you know, they're supporting their team. They're maybe answerable to, to above in terms of, you know, really being able to deliver against targets or goals. Um, and, and when you think about that notion of, of mental health, that's definitely the area where I think people are, are kind of struggling the, the most. So I definitely think resiliency has been a key theme. This whole notion of mental health and normalizing mental health in the workplace really has come forward. And I know that, you know, for years we've had the Bell Canada's done the Let's Talk for, for Mental Health Day. Um, but I actually think that there's been a real tipping point where actually normalizing mental health in the workplace has, has really come to the, the forefront and really looking after the wellness of our employees. So not in the traditional, like we're going to focus on wellness and we're going to have yoga at lunchtime. Um, but really actually caring about the mental wellness of our, of our staff. Um, and then I think, you know, the, the kind of third big key thing that's really come out of COVID has been that, you know, there's, there's a real need for us to look at um, the talent and, and um, attraction and retention of women in the workplace going forward. So women have been probably the, the, kind of largest affected gender in COVID. So about 54% of the global job losses actually are, are to females uh, in, in, in the workplace. And there's a number of reasons for that. So, you know, you have that women typically are in industries that maybe are a little bit more dominated by, by women. So things like food service, but you also have this um, uh, issue of the, the burden of childcare. So predominantly childcare support would fall to, to the women. And, and so that's actually had a lot of really great talent leave the workplace. Um, and with the, the challenge that they may not return. Um, so I think out of the work we've been doing, they're probably the big kind of three key themes that have come out when we think about COVID. So what is the greatest advice uh, you would encourage managers to support themselves and others during this time? Like, is there some key things that you've found or talked about or teach? Yeah, so I think, you know, when we talk about resiliency, I think there's a number of things that you can do to help build your resiliency. And so, you know, part of that is recognizing where you are on this journey of change. Um, and then, you know, the, the second piece is really kind of focusing on how do you shift your perspective? How do you really start to focus on the, the, the positives? Um, and, you know, for years, there's been lots of studies around the importance of looking for gratitude. 
Um, and actually, I think that's really come into its own when we start to think about, about COVID and, and you know, building that resiliency muscle. If you look for problems, you're going to find more problems. Um, whereas if you're actually looking for the things that you, uh, you know, can find joy from or to shift your perspective to create more positivity, the more you get into the practice of looking for gratitude, the more it becomes a habitual piece. And I, I know, Greg, you're very good at, at kind of focusing on here's the really awesome pieces that I can take out of, of any situation. Um, but we've worked a lot with managers to help them understand that, you know, looking for those gratitudes, looking for those uh, successes, really being able to, to kind of look even for the small wins can go a long way to shifting your perspective. And then doing that allows you to start looking for opportunities versus just being stuck in the problem. Um, with COVID, I think the the you know, the main challenge has been a lot of these things are outside of our control. You have no control over if you're in a lockdown situation when you get out of that. You have no control over, you know, whether anyone else is following the rules. All you can do is within your circle of control. Um, and the more that we can make, you know, actions, small goals that help us to feel like we're moving forward, the more we'll feel like we have control of the situation the more we'll feel like we are shifting that perspective and the more we will feel like we are moving towards that end goal and that adjusted new normal and whatever that looks like. I really, I really like that, Gemma. And one of the things Greg and I have talked about in a recent podcast, and I can't remember which one is, uh, I think we're using a different word for it, but I think the idea is the same as being thankful. When you go into these situations and, you know, things are working out or there is some positive things to, to be thankful for that as, as a mindset, but also as a, as an action to, to say that, you know, you know, thank you, Gemma, for that. That was awesome. You know, I really didn't think of it that way. Uh, and those things and coming into things with a very positive mindset is so important and thankful having a posture of being thankful and, you know, gracious for things. And I, I just think it's it just uh, sets us up uh, because you're right. If you want to find bad things right now, it is all around us. It's just waiting to pounce on us. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, for a lot of managers as well, like one of the big tips I would have is really thinking about where you're using your energy. Um, you know, everyone is feeling like their energy is depleted. We're, we're just out of February. February is like the darkest greyest, possibly closest to the Scottish winter that you can get, right? Like it's it's a little bit of a, a hopeless month at the best of times. Um, and then I think, you know, couple that with everything that's going on, um, you know, when you chatted to people, people were just low, their energy is low, they're feeling just done. And when you're trying to lead a team and you're trying to support them and you're feeling done, it's kind of goes back to that when you're in an aircraft, right? Like you've got to put on your own mask before you help others. Um, and it's that same kind of notion. So if you're a leader and you're feeling done, what are you doing to help maximize your energy? Where are you spending your time and, and really reflecting and saying, okay, these are the things that I, I'm doing that are depleting my energy. Here's the things that I can do that maximize my energy and really intentionally carving out some space to do those things that help replenish your energy stores. Because you can't, you can't lead your team and support them if you're feeling like you're completely done. 
Yeah, one of the things that uh, one of my favorite books years ago that I wrote, which really is, I think, an important aspect in this is uh, there's a book called The Powerful Engagement, and it's about energy by Lure and Schwartz, I believe, are the authors. It's an older book, but a great book. And, and really, it focuses on the fact that we have four sources of energy. We, uh, there's the mental energy, there's the emotional energy, there's the physical energy, and then there's the spiritual uh, energy. And that these are all sources for us and, and, and ensuring we are strengthening in each of those areas. So what we're finding from a resilience perspective, and I, I think you're probably seeing this too, Gem, is that, you know, even movement, um, people taking the time, and I was talking to some folks this morning, and they were saying, I combine things. I, I go for a walk every day, and while I'm for a walk, some listen to a podcast. So they're building their mental uh, energy and their physical energy at the same time. Some people don't, and it's really more of a physical and emotional because they just look around and they observe and they take in everything in. So it's finding different ways and, and shifting to make sure you have the balance in each of those reservoirs, because then they'll allow you to show up more effectively as a leader. Yeah. That's awesome. And I would, I would hope that people would want to listen to this podcast or one of our side projects uh, on one of those walks, Greg. So www.talkingnotranting.com. <laughs> yes, that's an excellent suggestion. So Gemma, one more uh, aspect of the COVID thing, and you've already talked on, uh, touched on it just a little bit. And I, I think just because of some of the numbers you're throwing around, um, what are the unique perspectives from a mother or parent of two girls that might help inform managers about this COVID time? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the most important thing, um, and I think it's for all parents, so it, it, it doesn't just have to be for, for, for the mothers out there, but this kind of notion that it, it's constantly fluid. Um, so even though we're a year into this thing, the, the parents don't have it figured out. It changes on a constant basis. So, um, you know, I think right back at the start in last March, there was... Um, it felt like there was a little bit of forgiveness, right? Like people were working from home, their kids were there. Someone would constantly kind of appear in the back. I was trying to hold meetings and all of a sudden I was on one meeting and this jug of milk just like appears underneath the camera and a pair of scissors. And I had to kind of acknowledge it because I thought I can't just pretend that this didn't happen. So I said like, I'm really sorry, I'm being asked to, to open this bag of milk. It was so bizarre. Um, but there was forgiveness for that. And then something weird happened in, in June when school stopped for the summer that all of a sudden people forgot the kids were still there. They hadn't gone anywhere. It's not like they suddenly went to summer camp. And so there was this kind of shift where it all went a little bit awkward for a while. And I think parents really felt like they were kind of in this hamster wheel that was forever turning with no, uh, no reprieve. And then everyone went back to school. And so we were all very thankful for that. But then that changed, right? So it's, it's this notion that it's kind of up and down and up and down. And so I think for managers, realizing that, um, that it continuously changes and, and, you know, that needs to check in is so important and don't assume that we've got it all figured out. Like there was a great example, even uh, in Lighthouse 9, um, this week, one of our partners was so excited. She's like, it was Monday morning. I thought I was going to get rid of all three kids. Like they were all going to get squared away. She walked them to school. And within like less than five minutes, she had the dreaded phone call. 
from public health to say one child had been exposed through their class cohort and now all of a sudden all three children have to come home you have to isolate for two weeks right so everything just is constantly up in the air so that real need to connect to check in with your parents whether it's mums or dads uh, that that are on your team it's it's so important because they're not always okay I love that, Gemma, because uh, I, for five weeks, was on the grandparent uh, virtual school program. And I have to tell you, I much prefer being a grandparent than I do to being a teacher's assistant. Horrific. Horrific. Absolutely horrific. It wasn't just four times online. It was all the things I had to do in between that. And I'll, I'll tell you right now, I didn't like school when I went, let alone when this four-year-old's in JK and already I'm so many of the subjects are past me and, and she wasn't interested and, you know, she wants to socialize with her friends and all. it was horrific experience. She didn't even like it. So I, I, I can relate to this 100%. Although I just want to acknowledge your creativity, Alistair. I did see a number of Play-Doh creations on Facebook uh, that, uh, and, and, and I was quite impressed. I didn't know that you had that in you. We all have skills, Greg, and uh, uh, you know, they're all unique. Hey, I just want to want to build upon what you said, Gemma, because I, I had a really interesting conversation this morning with someone who is working with a CEO and the CEO is just driving results, especially as we're coming out of COVID, because it's uh, driving results, setting new agendas, kind of bringing things forward. And the, they were they were becoming more and more frustrated with some of their team members that weren't kind of moving as fast and as quickly as they needed and, and this person had to have a really tough conversation with this person around the uniqueness and diversity of experiences that are out there. And I think it's this piece of what you talked about mental health. Uh, you know, this person in particular was successful. You know, they had an in-house nanny. Uh, you know, they had all these things. And so they just, uh, honestly, it wasn't, and they're good people. It's just their unique experience was blinded by their unique experience and forgetting that not only are all of your employees having different experiences, to your point, they're changing every day. So what you thought was true last week is not true or like our, our partner this, this, uh, this Monday, what you thought was true five minutes ago is not true now. Exactly, right? It, it just, it changes all the time. So you couple that with you know, all of the, the other experiences that people are going through with COVID and, and you know, that, that feeling of isolation and maybe not feeling like you connect with your team so regularly. Um, you know, if you, if you have someone who's really trying to drive results, and that's great, but it's, it's knowing that, you know, how do I approach it for that particular person's situation and being okay if they actually have to push back. Like, I hate, when any of my partners ask me for anything, you know, I always want to say absolutely no problem. I can get it to you whenever you need it. And I hate having to be able to say, well, actually I can. And I've had to, you know, out of this experience of COVID realize that I have limitations and that it's okay to say, no, actually I can't deliver that for you, you know, on this day. Is it okay if we, you know, flex and do it on, on this day? And so I think, you know, for managers, our leaders really being open to having those discussions around flexibility is important. It's not that that maybe you know the team member doesn't want to do it. It's it's not that they don't have a lack of passion or energy around it. It's that they're balancing all of these 
other elements and they may just be trying to protect you know that last shred of mental health and 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 energy that they have and so sometimes you know they have to push back on things and say well you know can we negotiate on time well yeah i love that because i also think it's you know what do i need as a leader and what do my people need the thing that i just was thinking about recently is that what's most important is be having shared clarity on what the results or expectations are what's the deliverables but then being more flexible on how we do it. Like the fact that, uh, do you need to have all those meetings scheduled as check-ins or do you really think of what is the things we need to connect on and how much can I give more space so that that person can deliver when they have time to deliver? I'm hearing people that are, you know, they get the kids to sleep and then from eight o'clock till 11 o'clock is their most productive time because it's the only time they have quiet time. So, but no one's meeting at that time. But if you know what the expectations are, you know what the results are, and you say, listen, when you do it, I don't really care. What I do need to do is from 11 to 12 to come in at the check-in or whatever that is. But the rest of the time, we're gonna create freedom for delivery and that, that adds that fluidity and that flexibility for that, that, um, those results. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm, I typically work in, in the evening mostly because my kids get dropped off at such a ridiculous time with the school bus. So it's, it's four o'clock in the afternoon and you, and you know that there's, you can grab them, but you can't just kind of bring them in the house and then forget about them. So I find there's a chunk of my day disappears at the end. So typically between four and five, if anyone calls me, I'm, I'm not available, but what I do is then I, once they've gone to bed and I have time to kind of get back into whatever I was working on. So, you know, it's, it's that acceptance from other people as well that you may send them things in the evening and that's okay. It's, it's when you've had the time to, to work on it, but having that flexibility to kind of manage all of the things that is going on. So. And knowing how each other works so that I, you know, we work on a number of projects together. So I know that, that you're going to be organized. So I know that when I wake up in the morning, I may have in my inbox, a couple of things that you've really move forward and 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 gotten going and but that's okay because i know my space is here because i'm in a different situation so it's knowing and knowing that you know there's not expectations but as a leader if you're in that shape knowing that i'm going to send a lot of things overnight but that doesn't mean that i'm expecting you to work overnight it's, no. it's what i need right now in the situation that i'm in but it's that it's that real shift i think for for leaders and that you have to start measuring um, productivity and performance based on the deliverable. It's not based on how many hours did you put in to get there. It's not based on how many hours were you sitting at your desk in the office and someone could physically see you there. It's actually based on the quality of the work that you provide and, and how and where and when you choose to, to tackle that doesn't really matter. It's about, you know, the output, but that's a big mental shift for a lot of leaders. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, cool. So well, I want to make sure we're moving forward. So why don't we shift into the kind of new space we're in as people are starting to see a light. They're actually starting to consider this post-COVID crisis workspace and, and into this new thing. So what are some of the things you're, I know you're involved in having dialogue with different folks, helping them think through what are the questions they need to ask. So what are the kind of the three most important insights that you're seeing as people begin to think about the possibility 
of returning to the new normal or whatever that thing is going to be. Yeah, it's interesting. A lot of people are starting to think about what does that return to office look like? But beyond that, what is the future of the office look like? Um, and, you know, I think a lot of people have found that maybe the pendulum has swung a little bit too far with, with the virtual working that we're doing at the moment, because there, there's been this real um, acceptance that there are some things that just happen better in person, right? Like you actually really need to have the, the person in front of you. Um, uh, so things like those kind of social networking interactions are, are really hard to, um, to do virtually. So a lot of people have tried to do things like the virtual coffees or create a kind of virtual break room where people can drop in and out, but it's not as natural and fluid as it is in person. Um, so a lot of people that we're working with, they're starting to look at this notion of a hybrid model. So not 100% in the office, but not 100% remote, so finding that sweet spot in the middle. And that has huge benefits to it. So it, it gives you, you know, better ability to attract and retain talent where you're not actually bound by geographical uh, areas. Um, it really allows you to, you know, look at cost savings with, with physical footprint. Maybe you don't need the same size of office that you had before. Maybe you can look at um, renting space or having something like a WeWork uh, subscription so you can drop in and out. Um, and it also really helps to, to look at this notion of how do you start to attract more women back into the workplace? So if you have that flexibility uh, in terms of, of work and that working model, is there an opportunity to start really kind of attracting some of um, that gender diversity back into the workforce for the future? Um, so lots of great opportunities out of that. It's interesting, Gemma. I was, uh, uh, an advert popped up on LinkedIn yesterday and the province of Nova Scotia is on the market for remote workers and they are spouting all sorts of things house prices connectivity uh you know who doesn't want to live in nova scotia uh, just because i was born there but it's interesting because now governments uh in areas which maybe uh have seen a decline in in certain types of things are going it's going to change in the future and uh we want a piece of that yeah so it's that real ability to attract talent out into to other areas as well um, I mean, I live in, in the Dundas Valley, so I'm outside of the GTA, but we've seen a huge increase in folks leaving Toronto and moving out uh, into, you know, a little bit further than the suburbs because they have closer access to nature and there's, you know, there's a thriving arts community. And I think in the past, a lot of folks wouldn't have looked at, at maybe moving out of the city uh, as as far as as we are. I know when we first moved, I worked in Toronto and people are saying, you're crazy, why would you commute that far? Um, but there's been a, a real shift. And so I think, you know, this opportunity to, um, to look at what the workplace of the future looks like and have that flexibility um, really will give uh, employers the, the, the ability to attract talent from from much further afield than, than perhaps they ever were able to in the past. But I think for a lot of people, as they're starting to think about what that looks like, there's a couple of things I think you need to do. And, and one is really reflecting on the past year. Um, what have you liked about it? What have you not liked about it? And so you can be really clear on what some of those um, potential challenges or problems to solve for the future 
may be. And so for a lot of the clients that I've been working with, a lot of the areas that they're looking to, to kind of figure out a solution for are really those kind of social networking elements, that ability to come together and intentionally connect, um, uh, to collaborate in a way that you cannot do virtually. And so I think learning from the experience we've had will help to say, okay, where, where's the right kind of sweet spot for our organization? And it will be completely different for everyone. There's no one size fits all in any type of organization design. And it's the same when we think about this virtual hybrid and office model, um, there will, the, the pendulum will stop in a different place for everyone. And so it's really about knowing what's the right place for you. Um, how do you want to connect? How do you intentionally connect? So what and why do you come into the office um, will be really important. Um, and then, you know, what are some of the, the cultural shifts that you need to make to be able to, you know, to have that kind of change stick? Because um, it could be very easy, I think, for a lot of organisations, maybe they have a, a get out clause on their lease, but it's not coming up for another four or five years. Um, and so, you know, there's this notion of, OK, we want to move to a hybrid model but we know we have this space in the meantime. So how do we make sure that we're not slipping back into old habits, knowing that we're going to make this change where it's actually a little bit harder because the, the starting point is very different. I love that. You know, one of the things that's bubbling up in my head is that as you're doing that planning, and we talked about this in the pre-discussions pre of this podcast, is make sure who's around the table. Do you have a diverse perspective around the table of your employees so you know what? Because, you know, I might think, oh, I know what we need, you know, or a small leadership group that is not as diverse won't really understand that perspective. So how do you ensure that you get the right perspectives of all your team members? And the other thing that's bubbling up from my head is what do your customers need? Because, you know, no matter what, how do we understand what their needs are, what our needs are, and then be really thoughtful and planful up front? Now's your opportunity to begin doing that. I think that's the exciting stuff when I hear the work that you're doing is, you know, pausing and reflecting on what you love, what didn't you love, what do our customers need, what do you need, what the future look like, and then be having that dialogue and beginning. Because I think once you announced how you're going forward, if people believe that you've actually done your research, you've kind of engaged a broader audience in understanding it, and you have logic behind your decisions, I might not agree with all of them, but I, but I trust that you've done the work and you've heard the voices to build the best solution and then be fluid as you learn along the way uh, because things will change. But I just love that model and I think it's yeah. very powerful. I think as we're having those voices around the table, that's the really important part of it. So really understanding, you know, where people's heads are at when they think about this, this future. So a lot of people, it's, it's really hard to think post-pandemic, right? To, to kind of imagine a world where, you know, we could be working virtually and not feel the isolation that we have at, at the moment. And I, I guess I've, I've worked remotely for the last you know, six years, I probably spend like 50% of my time working at home and I spend 50% of the time with my clients. Um, and working at home in a pandemic is not the same as working at home generally. Um, you don't usually have the kids in the background. You don't generally have your spouse 
hanging around and you know making noise in, in the background or asking you questions when you're trying to concentrate on things. So um so it is very different. So I think this this social piece that that people are missing at the moment post pandemic that won't feel as big and it won't feel so connected to their work self because at the moment all of those facets of your life are all kind of smushed together um and so you know i think um realizing that there's this space that you can carve out remotely and be very productive and then there's this space that you can carve out you know in the office or or in you know event space whatever that looks like um for those kind of you know in-person connections at work and then there's those kind of social interactions that you have just in life in general um i think people will will feel much happier and fulfilled but i think being able to really have those voices around the table when you think about the future of work and the future of the office helps you to understand what are the things that people really are not liking about this situation for the majority of them it tends to be those social interactions um and so then you actually can start from a place of being able to you know address them to to acknowledge the concerns that they may have to build plans to support them in the future or if there's a a real need there's a role that actually has to come into the office right like Maybe you have someone who works in reception and it's just not possible to have, you know, a virtual reception. Although I did see a very cool uh, advert on Zoom where they have, you know, you can touch a screen and it connects you to someone who's sitting in a back room. Um, but, uh, you know, maybe you have a role that has to come in. Then that's okay. Learn about that. Understand that they have a role in a space, a physical space that they need. And then build your plan knowing that you're going to need some kind of physical space for these roles but the other ones can can you know probably be productive happy healthy and work in a different location right yeah yeah, yeah. i remember when i we worked at when i worked at poor airlines i mean of course you you know the ramp folks the the customer folks right at the front end they got to be there your customers are there with regards to but the back end the it the all those things they could be really anywhere uh you know so that's kind of going to be this really unique um, unique situation. I think the last kind of statement I'll make and the turnover to, to Alistair is that as, uh, as organizations are thinking through this, uh, I, I know you're encouraging individuals to think of what's important to them. What do they need? What does that future look like? What did they love? What didn't they love? And therefore, what are the kinds of roles, organizations, those kinds of things you need? Begin thinking about that because we are coming to a place where Boy, there, I think there's going to be lots of hiring uh, coming out of this and there will be different opportunities. Does your organization give you that? Be a voice in your organization if you're asked to be around that table to suggest your ideas. But think about yourself and, and uh, of what you need uh, as well to, to as you're finding your pathway forward. Yeah, I think, you know, we finding your passion and really being able to 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 do something that fulfills you. Life is so short, right? And, and COVID, I think, has, has really kind of driven that home, that life is short. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. Um, and so, you know, find the things that you really love. And, the, you know, when you have that time to reflect, think about what do you really want? And then how do you really get that? What's the kind of organization that you want to work for? 
what's the kind of space that you want to create so that you can live that purpose? I really like that, Gemma. And one of the things you were talking about really resonated with me is, is that social aspect. And I find uh, right now I'm kind of doing a few little things and stuff and working a, a bit with Greg. And what I found, I think it's so important to know what you need in the situation you're in, whether you're a manager or you're an employee. And I find I've been doing a, a little kind of little job in the fintech space. And uh, most of the people I deal with want to send messages on Slack or emails and stuff. And I really need a certain amount of uh, voice conversation around anything I'm doing. And, and so I, I've been training uh, people I work with a little bit that, you know, every once in a while I want to have a telephone conversation. And uh, Greg and I talk multiple times a day on, on text or emails. And sometimes I just phone them. And sometimes I actually even get them on the phone. And uh, um, I just find for me that I need a certain amount of that. I've, I've figured out during these COVID times, you know, as I transitioned out of uh, a full-time job and career into whatever this is turning into, that it, it's just so important to figure out what you need. And uh, actually it was Greg's uh, sister, Karen, that I was talking to once. And she talked a lot, little bit about the telephone and how um, the telephone is a, a much more intimate form of communication than we think it is. And, uh, you know, after listening to what she had to say and, and just some of my personal experiences, I really do believe that sometimes, you know what, there are a million different ways that we can communicate with one another. And quite frankly, I'd rather talk on the phone than talk on Zoom. I find it's more intimate. It's, it's the communication flows better. And yes, I'm thankful for all of these different systems that we can use to communicate with one another. But I think we need to figure out what we need as people to fulfill our role in the company and to keep ourselves sane, what we need. And if we need to have some telephone calls one-on-one -on -one or whatever it is, then that's what we need to kind of demand from other people, train other people that this is the way that I need to work. That's going to help me move along and keep things together. So uh, I'm conscious of the time, although I'm not hundred percent sure how long we've been on, but I, I see the clock, but uh, I think let's do uh, final thoughts uh, round. So Gemma, any final thoughts? Yeah, you know, I think um, final thoughts for me would be, you know, I, I think um, this is a really exciting time. I know that that kind of a year into the pandemic, people are not feeling like it's so exciting, but it actually is because it's a really great opportunity to completely redefine the future, to completely redefine the way that we work and to think about, you know, some of those structures or, or processes that we've created in terms of our workplace they've kind of just all really been because they always have been that's just the way that we've always worked and so this is a really great opportunity to actually throw away the rule book to to think about what it is that you want that future to look like and to create it and I actually think that that's hugely exciting and a very positive you know, silver lining, if you like, that can come out of, of all of this. Gregory? Yeah, I love that, you know, because I think what we've discovered is that the things that we thought were, that, that we thought weren't possible became possible over this time frame. So that I would echo what Gemma said on that. And then the second thing is, is now's the time to pause, reflect, and learn from each other as you enter into building whatever this next future is. And because there are so many different perspectives and experiences, 
But if you actually, like Gemma said, pause and look at what do I love? What do I don't, what didn't I love? What are, what do we know our customers are going to need? What do we need going forward? And then how should we build this best in that new creative way? Uh, I think combining those things are going to be a powerful opportunity. And then the last thought that you said early on in the conversation, Gemma, that I really loved is find what's in your control. And because uh, that's where to start, because there's lots of stuff we can't control if your kids are returning in five minutes when you thought they were gone for the day. Can't control that. But, but understand what you can control and focus on building the strength in that area. And soon more things will become within your control, especially as we come out of this, uh, this period of time into whatever this new world is going to be. Yeah, I, I really like today's discussion. And uh, uh, somebody that uh, absolutely refused to work from home up until we had to work from home. I, uh, I really like the idea that uh, you kind of emphasized it. It really spoke to me about, you know, what do I need to make this work? And if it's working from eight to 12 at night or getting up at five o'clock in the morning or uh, making sure I actually have a personal phone call, telephone conversation with somebody. So number one, I think having a, a telephone conversation versus email is sometimes better because you might not understand the expectations of the person that you're dealing with. And sometimes that can only be dealt with uh, by a phone call. And if you don't know somebody and I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I get an email, and I go, are they mad? Are they frustrated with me? Do they not care? You don't know. And, and the way our minds are, uh, we sometimes fill in the empty space with, with bad stuff. So I just think, you know, in this situation we need, uh, it's going to change in the future, but it's never going to go back to what it is. And we need to figure out in our situation, whatever situation we're in, or we're going to be entering into that we figure out how we need what we need to do to make that work for us and make sure that we pass on those expectations and, you know, sometimes have to train the people we work for that this is how I, I need to communicate. This is what I need in this process to make sure that I'm on point and that uh, I understand what you want and you understand what I want. So there's just so much in this topic. We could probably go on for about another hour. There's just so much. And, you know, Gemma, I want to thank you very much. And quite frankly, you're not the one with the accent. It's Greg and I. Okay, just uh, anyway, so uh, uh, really appreciated talking to you today. And it's just been an awesome experience. And, and Greg said that we're going to talk to Gemma, it's going to be good. And 100% it was. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. So I'm just going to do a little plug to our listeners. Uh, we, uh, there's been a lot of downloads of this podcast. And Greg and I a year ago thought we'd have like 12 listeners. And we had no intentions of doing shaving ads and stuff like that, but we are so blessed by the amount of people that are listening to us right now. And uh, it just continues. And I, I don't like to single any group of people out, but uh, of course the home group, Oakville, you guys are always 100% behind us. You're in number one place, but we want to do a little bit of a call out to Columbus, Ohio. You are number two in a huge way. You are ahead of Toronto all of Toronto. So we want to give a shout out to you. Greg and I talked about this in a pre-production meeting, I think yesterday or the day before, I'm not sure when. We don't know anybody in Columbus. So that means you're listening to us because you want to, not because you feel guilty because you're a family member or a friend. So we want to give a big shout out to Columbus, Ohio. Thank you for listening to us. You listen to almost every episode and we're talking hundreds and hundreds of people. So Thank you very much. And uh, I'm going to put Greg's book website on the show notes if you're interested in buying his book. What's the name of that book again, Greg? <laughs> in Search of Safe, Brave Spaces. Uh, it will, the book is, uh, ebook is alive now, but the, the full book, it will be coming in early April. 
Uh, there's a website associated with this, I think. Yeah, www.safebravespaces.com. And our website is www.talkingnotranting.com. And you can get all the episodes and get a little bit of background about us. Uh, there's a bunch of side projects that Greg and I have been working on over the last year because we find ourselves in this creative space stuck at home. And I just can't do Play-Doh all day. I got to do other things as well. So uh, please jump in and uh, visit us and uh, send us some messages if you have any suggestions for topics or other people we need to talk to. Uh, because this is about all about pulling up another chair to the table at the diner and getting a different perspective and some great conversation, which we have been blessed with today and on other uh, situations as well. So please uh, touch base with us. And uh, remember, people matter. Take the time with the people you work with. They are an important part of your job, your success, or your failure. Talk to you next time. Take care.